0: Welcome to Argyle Chat, the Plymouth Argyle podcast brought to you by the Herald Sports Desk. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Argyle Chat where we will look back on another defeat for the Pilgrims, this time the 1-0 loss at Portsmouth. Joining me to look back on Saturday's Dockyard Derby defeat are Chris Errington, Jack Ball and Baron Cross. Hi you guys. Hello. Hi, Jim. Good morning. Chris, more of the same for
1: Argyle right now. Well, if we'd done the podcast on Wednesday morning after the 2-0 home win against Northampton, I think it'd have been a lot more positive than this yeah. one particularly is going to be. Um, because that was a great result. And obviously, uh, Northampton weren't the best of opposition. But I think we were all hoping that Argyll might be able to build on that when they went to Portsmouth and at least get a point from the game. Um, as it turned out, it was a poor performance. There's no no getting away from it. Um, they very rarely look like scoring. You know, if if you want to sort of look at it from a slightly more optimistic point of view, apart from that mistake from Remy Matthews, which was unfortunate, uncharacteristic, um, Portsmouth didn't play that well themselves, um, and Argyle could, as it turned out, have gotten gone away with some sort of point But then again, if you look at it the other way and you say, well, Portsmouth didn't play well and they still won, so um, yeah, it was it
2: was a poor performance. There's no getting away from it. Yeah, Jack, would you would you agree with that? Yeah, I think the Green Army have been spoiled over the last few years. There's been some very good games at Fratton Park and at Home Park between Portsmouth and, and Plymouth Argyle. And I spoke to a few of the Green Army when I was waiting to get into Portsmouth ahead of the game on Saturday. And quite a lot of them were saying we think it's going to be a nil-nil or something like that because we've had so many good performances over there in recent years that that they thought that was due. But I totally agree with Chris. Portsmouth weren't fantastic, and it's just an unfortunate error that led to our goal. You know, losing the game. What, what I would say is. Defensively, apart from that mistake, our goal is still looking much better than they were, say, this time a month or two months ago. So that there has been progress on that side of things, but we all know we've talked about it many times that you know the attacking positions are something that really needs to be changed in January. Yeah, were well, any particular players that stood out for you Jan Songo, again, you know, he's been put into cent- the central back position with Ryan Edwards being suspended. Ever since I think the Wigan game, he has been you know, he's really come on leaps and bounds, I think. And you know every time a ball was knocked into the box, he he would try and get his head onto it, and most of the time would succeed. And obviously, he wasn't really at fault to blame for the goal either. So I think Yann Songo for me stood out um, for his defensive performance yet again. Yeah, and
0: Bering, it just kind of feels like one step forward and two back at the moment for our goal. You know, Chris mm-hmm. mentioned earlier the win on Tuesday yeah. is such a big win yeah. for, for the club, and they couldn't follow it up on Saturday.
3: Absolutely right. Yeah, I mean, it, it's sort of it's up and down, isn't it? I mean, after. Um Twitter after the Oxford game was, it was a pretty toxic place and then on Tuesday night Wednesday morning it was all sunshine and light again Chris and I were saying on Tuesday night after the Northampton game sort of how different it is how quickly the sort of anti-Adam stuff goes away mm. and then it's, it's back again with a vengeance on Sunday so yeah it is it's, it does feel that way and and at some point Argyle do need to put together a winning run because two defeats in nine in all competitions they need to counteract that losing run they went on earlier on in the season and, and put together some wins and you know they it doesn't seem to any kind of progress at the moment. It's sort of mm-hmm. like you say, they're taking one step back and one step forward and two steps back. I guess the, the one positive, Chris, is when you look down at the bottom of the
0: table, Argal is still only three points adrift of safety. So yeah. the league position's not too relevant right now, is it? You know, it's keeping an eye on that gap, and making sure it doesn't get too big.
1: You'd like them to be winning more games, obviously, um, but they are only three points at the bottom of the table, and yet they're three points from safety. So it, it is tight down there. If they can put a run of uh, even two or three wins in a row together, would make a make a huge difference. Um, they need to find consistency. Um, I, I, I've been, you know, pretty sort of understanding of performances this season. Uh, there's, with all the injuries and suspensions and everything that's gone on this season, it hasn't been easy. Um, but in a big game like that, I was disappointed that they didn't have more about them going forward. I'd agree with Jack. I think defensively, they they played pretty well. Um, you know, Portsmouth didn't have that many opportunities. They had um, a shot against the post, which came because Anthony Sarsovic lost the ball in midfield and our goal were caught on the break um, Remy Matthews made one good save early in the second half um, but really there wasn't that many opportunities so I, I think defensively there have been improvements made mm. you know I, I think the record speaks for itself they're not conceding as many goals the issue now is going to be to put the ball in the back of the net more often and uh, uh, Clearly, we're going to have to get to January and there's going to be need to be a rethink about how they go um, about doing that and trying to find people that can score goals because um, you know defensively, yeah, they're doing all right, but clearly not good enough going forward. Yeah, well, we've had plenty of questions sent in,
0: so uh, thanks to all of you out there that took the time out to send a question in. We'll start with one from Mark Atkin. Who do you think is to blame for the clear lack of quality in the team this season? Adams for not recruiting sufficiently, or James Brent for not allowing Adams to have a competitive budget?
1: Um, the competitive budget is always down to people's perceptions and interpretations, yeah. isn't it? Um, you know, you talk to people at the club. I remember talking to people at the at the end of last season after promotion and uh, they were, were talking about having making sure that Argyle had a competitive budget for League 1. Now, we don't know the exact figures. I don't think anyone knows the exact figures of what Argyle's... Um, Budget in League One is this season, so it's difficult to say have they got a competitive budget or not. Um, it's certainly not going to be up with the Blackburns and Wiggins and, and Portsmouths of this world. Um, I wouldn't imagine it'll be as small as two or three of the teams down there. But if it's mid to if it's mid to high sort of teens in terms of rankings, I would think that's where it'll be. Um, I don't think Derek Adams' summer signings, unfortunately, have, have worked that well. Um, you know, you look down all the players that have come in, and you know Ryan Edwards has, has done reasonably well, although he has had two red cards, which hasn't helped his season. Aaron Taylor Sinclair, as part of that improved defence, has certainly um, has certainly done well in the last few games. But once you get past those two, and and you take Remy Matthews out of the equation as a loan signing recently, and and De as a free agent, you know the the summer signings haven't contributed enough. And um, you know, when you get promoted, you need to uh, be able to strengthen the team because you're playing at a higher level. And unfortunately, the summer signings haven't strengthened the team. Mm-hmm. Jack, would you agree with Chris
2: on that point? Yeah, Derek Adams has to take some of the blame for that, doesn't he? I mean, you know, last year we were sat here praising Derek Adams for his transfer you know, policy and all the players that he brought in. And if you're going to praise the manager when they, they work out, you've got to sort of condemn them when they don't work out. But the players are it's down to the players as well they have their responsibility and they're coming on and getting chances in games okay it might be 10-20 minutes but they've got to do better in those 10-20 minutes because at the moment when Argyle aren't playing well these players should be coming on and trying to change the game for Argyle it's not happening they're not changing the game they're not making any difference to the results going, for, you know, going forward from that I mean on. Argyle
1: made three substitutions in the second half on Saturday admittedly Ainsworth was quite late mm. on so difficult but you know Schiffchi and Lemirez came on with 20-15 minutes to go um, you haven't been in the first team lately for, for whatever reason. You know, go on and make a difference, and and Neva did. You know, yeah. when you come on as a sub, you, you've got to be really, really determined to try and make it Because if one of those had come on and scored an equaliser, they're back in the starting lineup. Yeah. And then
2: they did. Chifji had a great chance later mm. in the game. The ball came into him, and it looked like a you know a really good chance to get something, get to at least test the keeper and he just totally fluffed his lines and I've never seen seen a ball roll so slowly towards a dog it was like we were almost watching it in slow motion, that's how bad it was. So he's really not cutting it at this moment in time. Yeah, surprising to see Kerry going off on Saturday, I mean was he just... He had a poor game, game. I
1: asked asked Derek Adams about that and he said he wasn't doing enough and um, uh, he didn't have a great game, none of the attacking players did. um, I don't think Kerry was was any any worse than Grant. Jervis, although I'd uh, you know mitigate Jervis in the fact that, you know, he, he really just didn't get the service. You know, the, the the midfield and the attacking players, you know, just didn't get going. Fox, you know, wasn't on the ball, Diego Arga did a little bit, Sarcelnik didn't do didn't do enough. Um, you know, Carey the reason for keeping Kerry on in a situation like that is his set piece ability. Mm. You just never know when he's gonna come up with a shot or a quality delivery, but um you know, towards the end of the game, I go. Were, we're trying to get the ball forward. They wanted to play with width. They wanted to, you know, um, get down both sides. Um, so it's it's always a surprise when you take Gary off because of what he can bring. But did he play well? No, he, he had a poor game. Yeah, Baron, I put this on to you. Uh,
3: a question from Sam: Is Derek Adams getting the best out of the players? Um, that's a good question. Actually, um, I think he's getting the best out of the defensive unit. I think I think he's doing he's doing a pretty good job with what he's got at his his disposal there. I think we all know mm-hmm. Remy Matthews' quality. I think he's obviously Norwich's player, so Adams has, has benefited from from bringing in a loan keeper of that standing. But that rear unit of um, four four to seven players, if you like the the four defenders and the three defensive midfielders, I think he is getting quite a lot out of those. And especially before Ryan was his suspension, when you had Edwards in there with Bradley, and you had Songo a little bit further forward with Fox and Jagaraga and. As we've said, I mean, this this, this decent run of, of two defeats and nine has been built upon those foundations. So I think he is he is doing quite well and he is getting a lot out of those those back seven. Um, the trade-off, of course, is in doing so well with the, with the back seven is that, that those front three are suffering a little bit and, and Jervis is obviously feeding off scraps. Uh, he did a lot with it at Bradford, but elsewhere it's just not happening. The service isn't getting there. As we've said week in, week out, Ar- Argyle only look like winning when Kerry turns up. So if Kerry's going to play well, he's going to deliver good balls, that's when they're going to score. So if he doesn't turn up, then then, then it doesn't look like they're going to win, unfortunately. Mm. But um, but Joel Grant, I suppose, stands out as the one that he may not be getting the best out of, but we don't know if that's a byproduct of playing so defensively. I mean, we, we don't know what Adams is telling them in, in their outlook and, and the way to play. At first glimpses, it looks like it's a very defensive setup, and and as a result of that, the attacking players are going to suffer. Yeah. So I would say, yes, I think he is getting the best out of those, those defenders, but maybe the, the basic quality isn't there to, to produce better results over a long longer period of time. Perhaps he's getting a lot out of very limited players. Yeah, uh, Plenty of questions coming in about uh, Derek Adams. John,
0: Nick Gibson, Gary Palmer, Adam Loughnane-Hill all asking basically along the lines of do you think that Derek Adams is on borrowed time with his bizarre analysis of games recently? Obviously we saw what he said after the game on Saturday. It was a I thought that the comment about it being a 0 0 draw was strange, Chris, given that the goal came sort of 25 minutes into, into the contest, really. Yeah,
1: I think what, what he meant was on the balance of the play, you take out of that mistake by Remy Matthews, which was unfortunate, there wasn't a lot of chances in that game. That game could easily have finished 0 0. If Remy Matthews had hacked that ball clear, um, it could easily have finished 0 0. I think he was making the point that that was probably what he felt would have been the right score now I think Portsmouth could point to the shot that they had against the post and uh, certainly the say that Matthews made from Gareth Evans at the start of the second half where they were clear cut chances and they had um, more of the possession than Argyle did but that's not unusual for Argyle in away games so I'm, I'm never too bothered about possession stats in away games for Argyle it's what Argyle do when they go forward when they get the ball I'm more concerned about I mean Derek Adams said it was a poor football match yes I would agree with that um, he said it was rubbish I would agree with that um, he said that he didn't feel that Argyle deserved to lose like I say I think Portsmouth could point to two or three chances where they they had good opportunities to score but ultimately that game was decided by one unfortunate goalkeeper error so you you can look at it in all sorts of different ways but it could easily have ended as a 0-0 draw i think portsmouth deserved to win but there wasn't much in it and um it could have finished 0-0 yeah jack we've been
2: here before with um, things Derek has said post match this is just another one to add to the list isn't it yeah but i i have to agree with chris i agreed with a lot of his comments i think that really on the balance of the game it it was such a poor game that it could have i think you could have played another 90 minutes and there wouldn't have been another goal in it unless there was another mistake so I, I don't think these are one of his most bizarre uh, post-match post-match comments I think he was pretty spot on with a lot of things he said about that
0: game uh, Bobby Biscuit how much longer do you think Derek Adams can be the Argyle manager the tactics were not, were good enough last season but not this season and Gary Collins the league table looks very precarious where did Derek Adams and the board go from here <laughs> give it to you Baron. shall
3: Definitely, I thank you. Yeah, well I mean at its worst what were they they went, went without a win for 13
1: it was eight, 8 defeats in 9 was a, was a, was a bad run mm, wasn't worse. it and, um, without a win it was well, a yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, it, yeah, it yeah,
3: lot like yeah. I mean that was at its worst so hmm. he's now gone on a run of, of 2 defeats in 9 so I think we're, we're further from a sacking than we were earlier in the season if I was the chairman so um, I think he's got a little bit of way to go yet I mean we keep going back to it but he's got a lot of credit in the bank They've had two defeats in nine. I don't think they're... They're not looking desperate. As you've already said yourself, Stu, the league position's not great, but they haven't got... I mean, like Chris says, you win two or three, and yeah, they, they could feasibly get out the top 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 of the bottom
1: four. So... If they're in touch, yeah. there isn't that
3: pressing urgency, isn't there? No, I think, I think yeah. he's, he's all right for now. I mean, I, I think we, we're looking at another a bad run of five, six, seven defeats in a row before he, he gets the bullet. I think for the moment, he's the, the, the team are showing enough to let the board know that there is something salvageable there with Adams. Clearly Adams is still getting response out of these players. So you, you've got to give him time. And, and as we said off first, you know, Adams has got a long contract. It's yeah. going to cost a lot of money to get rid of him. And the trade off is almost, do you spend your money getting rid of Adams and then bringing in a new manager, giving him no money and expecting him to do to do something that Adam hasn't been able to do with the current squad or do you keep Adams and give him the money you've got to then improve the squad in January so I think that is the the financial decision that the board have got to make
1: yeah January is an important time isn't it because you know mm. you're almost committing yourself to a manager in yeah. January really because clearly the squad needs shaking up um, which won't be easy but you know there's no point letting a manager shake the squad up and then changing the manager after that so you know if you go into January and you say look this is what we're going to do this is what's available go out and do what you can mm-hmm. then you're nailing your colours to the mast. Mm-hmm. Mu- then yeah. I, I think that's probably what's going to happen but yeah. you know result, results dictate everything in football yeah. and you know four or five successive defeats thing, things change there's I a mean, lot of games to be played in December as well isn't
0: there, there I, is, think, yeah. I think it comes yeah. to
2: what if our goal find themselves at the start of January 10-12 points from safety I think that then there's a big decision yes. to be
0: made mm-hmm. I think you Hit the nail on the head there, Jack. December, mm. and when you look at the games Argyle have got, there's a few against teams in and around them as well, and sort of mid-table teams. So it is an opportunity, we, really, I, for Argyle on we, paper at least we, to pick
2: up points. myself and Baron were speaking, and yourself were speaking before the game, and I think Baron a few week, uh, a month or two ago, pointed out the Wimbledon game, the Northampton game, the Gillingham game is free, yeah. very big games. And Lots Adams has games. won two of the two so far. Mm. Gillingham is the next home game, the next league game, and that's going to be another big game. And that's that's so big far, game, yeah. they've shown that they have the ability to beat those teams around them and I think December is the biggest month of Adams' career I've got so far.
0: Yeah, uh, moving on then, Kaya Adams, um, touching on something you mentioned earlier on, Chris. Uh, why does it take Adams until the 60th, 70th minute to make changes? It takes players too long to then get into the game. You mentioned M- Lemire is coming on for 15, mm-hmm. 20 minutes. Is that mm-hmm. enough for a player to
1: come on and have an impact? Uh, it needs to be, if you're, if you're the player, you might only get two minutes, but that doesn't mean that you, you can't go on and make an impact. Um, you can debate about you know when the manager is the best time to make changes in games and you know I, I think I might have been tempted to make a change before the 70th minute when Shifty came on on Saturday because clearly Argyle weren't functioning going forward um, but you know when you're a player as you come on as a sub it's it's not down to you to decide when you come on when you get the call you need to go on and make an impact and um, I'm not sure that many Argyle substitutes can really say this season they've gone on and and made a major difference to the game there's been cases but not often enough and then you don't give yourself the opportunity of knocking on the manager's door on Monday and saying why am I not in the first team mm-hmm. um, so I can think of instances where Derek Adams has made substitutions at half time um, and he's left them right until the end of the game, he's not made them at all I'm not sure that there's any particular pattern to it but I, I do think you know it's not easy for a player to come off the, off the bench and make an impact but that is your job and you have to try and do that. And uh, I don't know, Jack. Did, did you think
2: on well, Saturday the subs didn't? They just didn't contribute. Speaking did to Kenny Jackett after the game, he was. He said he didn't feel comfortable throughout the whole afternoon. He felt that our goal Go could get a point from the game because Portsmouth weren't taking the chances. And he mentioned the substitutions and said, as a manager, and his players, he had to then react in a certain way, because Portsmouth have been involved in very tight games this season. And he said that when, when the substitutions are made, it's all about how you react. And those games where it is so close that will see you over the line and that's certainly seen the case what I would say is Ryan Brunt a few years ago proved because he, he he was going to get substitute appearances and he started getting a few goals from the bench he then got into the first team and started scoring more goals and then obviously got injured but that proves that no time is too short to make an impact and down, if the players want to be in the first team they have to perform when they come on then there's, there's Schiff, no excuses if Shifty
1: scores that chance Jack
2: and yeah. Arbel draw yeah.
1: 1-1 there's a pretty fair chance he'd be in the starting yeah. line up the next game because you know there isn't that many other options, you know. Um, so that's the mindset you've got to go on. You know, okay, I've only got 10 minutes, I've only got 15 minutes, I might only get one or two chances, but I've got to take them. And um, as much as there was an onus on the players in the starting lineup to, to contribute goals and do things, if you're called upon as a sub, you've got to do it. You've got to do your do Certainly your in those attacking positions, I mean, we mm. talk about the lack of goals yeah. and the lack of threat right now. They're the, one, you know, they're, they're the ones Lanieres puts a cross in and Shifty scores with a header they and they're both in the starting lineup. Yeah. the thing is though you
2: know, if you're Derek Adams and you're looking at your team the one down, done you're struggling in the second half of the Portsmouth game mm. I'm looking at that bench thinking actually do I have any players that can make a difference here you know that, that's the question it's down to the players to make him change his mind mm. and they're not doing that they're not doing that at all yeah Baron, you see a lot of the reserves is there mm. anyone sort of consistently playing well in the reserve
3: team that could perhaps come in or again is it all a bit too patchy yeah you know, just I, I think he's I think he's got the best leather on the pitch that he can get at the moment I, I can't see I mean uh, you've got Froke Eldon there, I think you forget about them they've been injured so long now but I mean thankfully it looks like they're on the way back given how they played uh, last week for the reserves but um, they're the two that I haven't seen them play I mean your question was have I seen them I haven't seen them play so I can't say they're going to come in and, and pull yeah. trees up but we know, we know their quality historically so I think they're the two that we're all looking for and, and looking forward to coming back but there's nobody else who I have seen playing in the reserves that makes me think they should be doing a job. Uh, in the first team, people like Lamira, Sarcevic, Blissett, um, Fletcher, even occasionally. I mean, they all look a little bit flaky, a bit inconsistent. I mean, Fletch, Fletcher is a good little finisher. I mean, yeah. he, he's very busy in and around the box. In the two up,
1: in the two up front, I, 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 could, I could see there being a case for, for Fletcher playing yeah. in
3: the team. But, He's a good, honest, hard worker, but, and he and he will be a threat around the six-yard box. But mm-hmm. whether you go and throw him in and, and they call to the mass and put him in for six or seven in a row is a, is a big, big call. When when Jervis has shown yeah. that his pace, especially with the way our play is working at the moment, yeah, and especially with the way our play, you can't really see them going to two up
1: front right now. I, guess. Uh, I mean, they went to up front mm-hmm. with Shifty and and Jervis yeah, for the, the last twenty minutes, and. Uh, it wasn't any discernible difference, was there, Jack? To be honest, um, the
2: yeah. trouble is that Argyle might put a bit more pressure on, but the, mm. the, if you can't finish, it's not going yes. to difference. And yeah. uh, the, you can see the frustration boiling <coughs> when, when the wingers do actually make a run and do get a ball in the box, and it's just not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. It, it just adds to the frustration that snowballs, mm-hmm. and you can sense it. You really can when you start sat in the, the stands,
3: yeah.
0: A uh, question from Mike Oldham Why all this negativity with regard to Derek Adams? He's a young manager destined to become one of the great managers. Why is everyone on his back? I'm a proper Argyle supporter. And support my team, come what may. There's still plenty of support out there for Derek Adams, isn't there? You know, that we hear a vocal minority, I guess, that are calling for for Adams to go. There it's are still plenty of people out there
1: backing them. It's, it's difficult to quantify, isn't it? I mean, if you go on Twitter or Facebook after a after a defeat, you know, you know there's not a lot of support for Derek Adams. Um, but you know, you go to games, you talk to people. Jack, you know, I went to Fratton Park on Saturday, and you talk to people, and yes, you do find people that, that think there should be a change of manager but I don't get any sense or feeling at games or from people I'm talking to that the majority or even close to the majority think the manager should be changed at the moment um, but you know clearly on, on social media it's a great um, resource you know we can get lots of opinions and uh, you know we don't always agree with each other's opinions but everyone's is valid and it's always interesting to hear what people have to say um, but I'm not getting the sense of walking around Home Park on a match day that you know the majority
2: want the manager to go so uh, again Jack you'd, you'd, be, you'd be that you? well I spoke in the last the last mm. podcast about how shocked I was really that mm. the fans were so focused in support of Derek Andrews during the Oxford game because mm. yeah. they were they had a mountain off they were losing but I, I can struggle to think of a game for quite a long time where the fans have been so on Teams in Derek Adams' side, really vocally, they were, they were very much in support. Many more performances
1: like the one on Saturday, and
2: it, it could change. I think Derek but Adams, the good thing about Derek Adams is he's very good with fans. When you, when you see mm. him arrive on the coach before a game, he's always happy to take pictures, he chats to people. I think the way he is during you know, interact, interaction wise with fans is very good, and that goes a long way with supporters. You know, we had John Sheridan before him who wasn't the best at. Interacting with fans before the game, the fans forums. Derek Adams does that very well, and I think that do does buy you time with a large support, a large chunk of the support.
0: Yeah. Obviously, you you sit in amongst the, the green army for mo- most of the games you go and watch. Jack, have you noticed any sort of
2: people like to moan? Fans fans like to moan. Even when I got you know, top and second last year, people were moaning about some of the football. It wasn't the greatest. We're not winning five nil every every month. For people like to moan, no matter how well you're doing, people will always moan. But I don't think there's any serious. Um, Will for Derek Adams to lose his job? Now I think that will change if, again, as we said earlier, it gets to the point where fans are looking at the table and seeing the gap of ten, twelve points, and they start thinking, actually, we're not going, we're not going, we're not going to do this. We've only won three out of however many? We need to start winning those in a row. That's not going to happen. That's when I think fans will turn. and At the moment, Derek Adams has got the, you know, closed the gap over what it was two months ago, and I think as long as that gap is there and it's quite short fans will still be on the side Yeah,
0: well not everyone is is blaming Derek Adams Uh, Roger and Lewis are blaming James Brent a question along a similar line basically saying Derek Adams has been severely let down by James Brent who is not financially willing to get Derek who who is not financially willing to back Derek Adams granted he gave Kerry a decent wage to stay but his ambition has stopped there I mean chairman in this situation Chris they never get any sort of fair press today because they're the ones that seem to be the money men they're Mm -hmm. the ones that are asked to put their money into their pockets but james brent's a businessman he's not going to give the club any more than he can afford to
1: is he Uh, again we it's always difficult when you come to finances because no one knows the exact figures Mm -hmm. so you're sort of speculating and commenting on things that you don't know for sure and that's always a a tricky thing to do and as, as, as journalists you know our job is to try and Comment on facts rather than sort of speculate about things. Now, as we said earlier on, Argyle are not going to have the biggest budget in League One, and they're probably not going to be close to having the biggest budget in League One. Um, I doubt it's the smallest, but you know, I suspect it's nearer the lower end than the top end. Now, is that James Brent's fault? You know, are we expecting him to sort of put his hand in the pocket? You know, um, and that is down to your opinion on what the chairman and an owner should do. Um, I would just make the point that James Brent's never um, gone out and said I'm going to fund this club You know, you know, by dipping my hand in the pocket all the time. He's, he's always talked about sustainability and making sure the club is run on a signed financial basis. Now, some fans will see that as being tight and not being prepared to put his hand <coughs> in his pocket and lacking ambition and others will look at it and say, well, hang on a minute it wasn't that long ago we were in administration we'd rather have somebody that runs the club properly and on a financial stable basis and if that means that we can't compete with some clubs in the division that we're in because they can afford more money because they've got a richer owner or bigger crowds or whatever, then so be it. It's it's you pay your money, you take your choice.
0: Yeah.
3: Where where do you stand with um, James Brent Barry? spent a bit of time with him last week. Yeah, yeah. I spoke to him quite recently, and um, I didn't ask him specifically about finances and the football side of things. It was more about the planning application that's going on at the moment, but. Um, when he, when he did reflect upon the future of the club, um, the word that, that did seem to keep pop up pop popping up was was stability and um, operating within your means, uh, operating the championship sustainably or operating in the Premier League sustainably. So I think, based on his his, um, his use of words, you get the impression that he's interested in pushing Argyle forward, but but you know not at the expense of their of their long term future. You know he's he's learned, maybe he's not learned, but the club yeah. and the fans have learnt the hard way what living beyond your means can do to a football club you I know, mean, it's absolutely crippling so I, I think um, I, rec- I reckon James Brenton has given Adams absolutely every penny that he can within, within, within the realms of reason I think as, as uh, the, uh, Roger and Lewis have said you know Carey was given a decent wage in, in the summer I think Martin Starnes has said Simon Hallett has said that the, the budget was appropriately increased in line with promotion so I think Adams was given a bigger budget than last season this summer and I think Adams is, uh, before the transport window closed, Adams had always said you know, there was a bit of money in the budget for one or two for the right players. and We've since had Diagoraga come in, so maybe there's a little bit less than there was. So I think, based on their league position and the fact that you know, these are not stupid people, they're going to want to keep Argyle in League One to the best of their ability. So I'm sure they will scrape around and get a little bit more money for Adams than they perhaps would have done if they were high up the division. So I'm sure that we will see a little bit more than there could have been. But, you know, it, James Brent is not an oil-rich tycoon from the Middle East. You know, he is not going to come out and start giving Adams four, five hundred,
2: six hundred grand to spend on footballers. It's just not going to happen. He's not that kind of owner.
3: No.
2: So Roger and Lewis say um, Adams has been Adams has been severely let down by James Brent. But I remember quite vividly an interview I think Chris did with Derek, Derek Adams a fair while ago, and he was we always knew that he wasn't going to be given a lot of money to spend. And I think I remember him saying that he's never spent money throughout his career. You know, that, there's never been any. Um, any secret about that I think he's known this place f- since he's been here and that's not comes any shock to him yeah um, just worth pointing out as well those
0: pieces you did Baron well worth uh, keeping an eye on yes on absolutely yeah, week, yeah, we're
3: recording on Monday uh, there was a piece of this morning and there's going to be a piece of every morning until next Tuesday I think so keep an eye on that he touches upon a lot of topics that people are very vocal about especially the um, uh, sort of protesters who, who aren't too happy with James Bratton the way he runs because I've asked him a lot of I like to think difficult questions, and he answered them very fairly. He didn't; there was nothing off the table. Um, so, some good answers there, and there'll be some full um, question and answer pieces, which which give both sides of the, the interview um, on Friday, Monday, and Tuesday. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, Alan
0: Adamson: Is Argyle's playing budget that low, or is it Adams who has signed the wrong players? I guess really a, a little bit of each, really, Chris.
1: Yeah, I think we've. we've thanks for the question, Alan. I think we've probably yeah. covered that one. Um, uh today i i i just would suggest that the the summer signings haven't contributed enough so um you know derek adams would have wanted better from those players now whether those players weren't good enough um aren't good enough or whether they're not performing to their peak again is is a matter of opinion but I, the summer signings have not contributed enough yeah.
0: it's going to be interesting to see what happens in january cuz mm. obviously if those players are the ones that aren't contributing mm. he'll obviously they'll probably the ones under threat and the ones Adams will look to move on in order to, to create some space in his squad
1: yeah there's going to need to be one or two departures you would have thought as well as uh, one or two arrivals um, so yeah it, um, Derek Adams has spoken before about how he quite often refreshes his squad during transfer windows um, whether there's going to be five or six signings that might be a push but it, it, I think uh, you know, two or three going out two or three coming in might be the, the most likely uh, outcome yeah Jack I'll put this one to you Richard's
0: asking who will Adams bring in in January I want names not positions <laughs> now, you're, a,
2: you're a football manager fan anyone that you've been signing on your, your oh, games I can't, I can't give any names I mean I wish, <laughs> I wish I was in a position as a journalist to, to know who he was looking at signing because that's it, just because you're doing badly that's what that, that, <laughs> that would do well for our website but I think the one area which Jack has hasn't really explored as much as he has in pre- previous years is the low market I think possibly that is where he might look to strengthen the team he's only got you on loan at the moment, I believe, yeah. well, and obviously when Matthews. I mean, Matthew's on an yeah. emergency loan. Mm. I wouldn't be surprised if Chifty went back. We said that before. He did nothing to make me change my mind on that on, on Saturday. So that, you know you can have five loans it, in, your, in your team. So he may look to speak to a few people who knows. He bought a great loan signings in the past. Obviously Neil Warnock's always happy to help out. Whether mm. there'll be anything done there, I don't know. So I think loan, the loan market is the way he'll go, and certainly his, his loan signings over his tenure at Argyle have been very impressive.
3: Yeah. Anyone you can think of, Baron, that you could. No, I'd love to know. You're picking names out of the hat, really. Yeah. If you go through any one of the academies in the Premier League or the. Um, sorry, not academies, in the 23 teams in the Premier League or the Championship, and there's a lot of very good players out there. And obviously, Adams and, and Greg Strong know better than I. I think Greg Strong is the man we need on the podcast. be mm-hmm. nice to pick mm-hmm. his brains. So. You
2: make an important, a good point about the reserve game. So, you, you know, games like the Bournemouth game where you know it's a few yeah, good I players. Mean, i, 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 I talking to players like well, people at Eddie. It's worth
3: mentioning, actually, Jack. Yeah, I mean, I, I spoke to Stu before and, and I went to the Bournemouth Central League match. And you know, Bournemouth Premier League clubs and very, very exciting players in their youth ranks. And um, there was one lad in the first half called uh, Mikhail Jolie. So, remember that name. He was absolutely unplayable in the first half. Just just tore Argyle apart. They could not deal with his pace. He was pacey. He was direct. He was composed, and he made a mockery of their defence. Second half, completely absent. Just just Jordan Bentley played him out of the game, and, and I thought that was just a, such a beautiful snapshot of, of the type of players you're looking at. These are very very promising young players. Who on their day, as we saw with, with Callum Hudson-Odoi in, in the Chelsea team in the Czech mm-hmm. some of these players on their day are remarkable and will go on to have good careers. But it's whether you're going to get two out of three good games out of them yeah. or one out of three good games out of them and that is the massive challenge that Adams and Greg Strong have got in picking out which players they're going to go for. So, and I, I asked Carl Fletcher and Paul Watson about Anjoli and, and, and Paul, and Paul Watson made the point, you know, yeah, he was absolutely incredible in the first half. We came in half-time, we talked about how you deal with him. Sokolik um, came forward and, and sort of covered off the space in front of Jolie. Bentley came behind him to cover and he, and he was completely marked out of the game. So, I think there, there are going to be some, some bright sparks and there will be some fantastic loan signings made across the EFL in January So
2: it shows you the benefit of being in the central leader doesn't it where you can yeah. talk to the likes of yeah, any and Adams was there that day and, yeah. Adam,
3: and Eddie Howe was there and Adams and Howe were, were seen chatting so I mean uh, we love gossip don't we <laughs> I like to think they were discussing signings <laughs> but maybe not Indeed.
0: <laughs> so moving on then, guys. Um, obviously, I'll go take a bit of a break from league action now. Jobal um, first in the Checker Trade Trophy on Tuesday, which I know Chris can't <laughs> wait to
1: go in. <laughs> Try <go laughs> and contain your excitement. I can't yeah. wait to see in the indeed. thousands at Hewish <laughs> Park
0: streaming in through the turnstiles before yeah. off. More, yeah. more, more ca- a case of uh, thousands of empty seats, I think. Yeah. Right. yeah. And then, of course, it's the FA Cup second round away at Bradford on
1: Saturday. So nice to have a bit of a break from league action, or do you think. Argyll could do with league games right now? I think you, I would like to just keep going on with the league games, to be honest. You know, you, you can say you we're taking a break from league action. I, I think, you know, you, we're midway through the season near enough. Um, go. need to pick points up, put points on the board. I'd like to see him play games and put points on the board and start moving up the league. But we've we've got what we've got, the checker trophy, well, you know, Argo can finish top of the group, they can and play <laughs> AFC Wimbledon at home, they can finish second <laughs> in the group and be away to Keynes Dons, which that really doesn't sound a very exciting game to me, to be honest. Um, or they might not even qualify at all. So, you know, goodness knows what's going to gonna happen on, on Tuesday. The FA Cup, you know, winning against Bradford at Valley Parade in the league is is and will remain much more important than the outcome of the game on Saturday. Of course, we'd like to see Argyle win it and get into the third round uh, and pick a, another Premier League team, uh, team like we had with Liverpool last season. Um, I think the way the, the game went last time against Bradford just a couple of weeks ago, um, that will have rankled Bradford a bit. I'd be very surprised if they didn't come out firing on all 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 cylinders. They'll really want to make amends for that one 0 defeat. So um, I think it'd be a tough game. It'd be interesting to see what teams that Adams picks for those two, because um, you know you, you would suspect that there might be a few fair few changes against Yeovil, and, and maybe the, the FA Cup side might be quite a strong one, but difficult to tell at uh, yeah. this early stage in the week but as you alluded to earlier it's, it's an opportunity for players to come in now and,
2: and stake a claim for a I, th- I think the, the Oval games. Ex- no, the, the, thing that, the thing that one. I'm most excited about for that mm-hmm. is you would hope if, if they hadn't suffered any ill effects from playing against uh, Soltash that the likes of Threlkeld might be involved Taylor might be involved as well as the, the fringe players it gives a good chance for, for mm-hmm. us to see them and sort of see how, how yeah, far they've the, come.
1: The, that would I mean we don't know I haven't spoken to Terry Adams about Threlkeld and Taylor but it on the face of it, if they played against Saltash on on Saturday, a, a Czech trade Trophy game, i.e., a reserve team game, in my eyes, but you know that wouldn't be a bad yeah. game for them to be involved in, as long as that's not rushing them or mm-hmm. you know putting them any any danger. But if they can both or one of them play in that game, then you know they're not it's too far to away. And, yeah, absolutely. You're not.
3: You you get you are getting something beneficial from it. I think Look, yeah. the Bradford game is going to be interesting, I mean I think when we went up there last hour I defended brilliantly for their mm. lives and people call it smash and grab, you might mm. call it they got away with one but Bradford have been flying since I don't mm. yeah. and since that Argyle game Bradford oh, mm. they are going to be so confident mm. yeah. and like Chris says they don't want revenge and yeah. all, if Argyle come away with get into the third round they'll be very very happy I think. Mm. It's a yeah. tough game. Bradford won away show his three Yes, i yes and the week before we've been the yes. two top yeah. tries the and home and form no is
2: quite patchy though isn't it the home form yeah. is, isn't the best is, at all so yeah, I, do, I, just, I <coughs> it would be interesting but,
1: uh, they, they know exactly what Argyle are going to do yeah. um, they'll they have talked it, about yeah. it they'll have worked on it they're, 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 you know, they, they, it's not going to be a surprise how the game pans out And but they will have a lot of motivation and Argyle are going to need to have to play defenders as well as they did last time Very different as well. you uh, yeah well. I mean there was 20,000 for the league game yeah, it was, and uh, it was uh, I, if there's 5 or 6,000 there for the cup game so that slightly changes the dynamic yeah. of the game as well because you know if the team are, if it's nil and after half an hour and it's all very flat and quiet you know it would be a different game whereas when they played in the league at Valley Parade and there's 20,000 people roaring Bradford mm-hmm. on as they chase the equaliser it it was quite exciting wasn't it Barry <laughs> oh it was brilliant yeah. yeah
3: what what's your good instinct on Matthews is he going to be okay Jim? it didn't look very good when he came didn't, off no he involved. he
1: limped he limped off and and any time a manager tells you in the press conference afterwards that he's got a major concern about somebody that's mm.
3: that's that's worrying so, so. That, I mean they're going to try and expedite that do you think and, and get if they had to get mm. another emergency keeper they might the have Saturday to yeah they might have to rather than again like he was,
1: there was talk about him getting an x-ray and, and the next time he gets a chance to speak to Derrick Adams we'll obviously try and find out a bit more but he mm. um, also said Cooper he, wasn't fit didn't he yeah well I asked Derrick Adams about that and he he didn't think that Michael, although Michael Cooper was on the bench he didn't yeah. think he was fit enough to replace him so yeah um,
3: you so know, goal, it might not matter too much the oval, but Saturday, I mean, yeah. yeah. they want to get a first team keeper, they're they? are going to
1: need somebody, whether it's Matthews, whether it, whoever it is, they're going to need to. Uh, it's going to depend on the outcome of uh, any X-rays or scans. And when you see a manager straight after a game, ten or fifteen was, minutes yeah, later, it is too difficult too, to yeah. assess mm. the severity of the injury. But Remy Matthews did limp when he came off. Dave Roundtree got a very good picture of him; his sock rolled down around his left mm. ankle. He looked miserable. He was probably in pain. Um, Hopefully it's
3: not as bad as it looked, but it, it, you can't know I can't believe this, Could, this this look with the keeper. It's, it's incredible. Yeah, it is yeah. unprecedented. Yeah. Roman, very to dust off his gloves. At this well, right well I saw Roman <laughs> the
1: other day at the reunion, and he looked uh, he certainly
0: looked <laughs> fit enough. So, um, <laughs> the, the interesting thing is, with it being an FA Cup game, do players have to be registered a certain number of days before the game?
1: They, they always used to be. Yes, I'm you not always entirely always. sure. Yeah. And the, the, I don't. I think you know a Thursday or something like that would be be okay would be enough certainly if it was a replay then yeah, you'd, yeah. You'd, you'd have issues in terms of what goalkeepers you can use because you, you, you can't use a goalkeeper that wasn't in a replay that wasn't available in the first game yeah. so um, yeah we'll try and find out more about the goalie, you know, goalie that situation. would be a keeper wouldn't it yes
2: yeah, not even in December yet. Yeah. it's crazy yeah I would love to
3: know if anybody I mean I don't know where you find the information but I'd love to know what the record Especially is like, yeah, most that. goalkeepers used yeah. by a single team in a season I'd love to know what the number yeah.
2: is any new goalkeeper coming in have to have their insurance <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: well thanks for joining me guys that's all we've got time for this week and um, thanks to you out there for listening we'll be back again next week with more of the same so be sure to join us then bye bye